Welcome to Let's Talk with Andy and Kath Taylor, a podcast from LL Ministries. And today is a little different in that we are sharing with you a chat that we recorded with Tim and Rachel Hughes on the subject of belonging. Yeah, it was such a lovely chat. They're a great couple. Mm. Tim and Rachel are the lead pastors of Gas Street Church in Birmingham. And uh, Tim, you'll have heard of, he's an international worship leader and um, is behind some of some beautiful songs that we we all love to worship to. Um, and we got in touch with them through lockdown after listening to some of the sermons online from Gas Street. And I was listening to Rachel's podcast called The Orchard that's for women. And we just felt like this is a this is a great couple who really share a similar passion for the Lord and um, a desire for his people, for all of us to really know what it is to be part of God's family. So we got in touch. Mm, it was really good. And we've put in the description a link to Gas Street Church so you can check that out if you want to. And just encourage you to grab a coffee and sit back and enjoy the chat that we had with them. Okay, well, great to have you guys with us, Tim and Rachel Hughes. And uh, thank you. Actually, wondering how things are going at Gas Street for you um, at the moment. Hopefully, things are starting to open up a bit. Yeah, well, we are. We've been meeting um, socially distanced for the last, I'm trying to think now, a couple of months, few yeah. months. Can't mm-hmm. remember when we started that. Uh, we actually had last Sunday, we had um, baptism. So we were able to baptize 26 people wow. throughout That's the great. day. I mean, we have to meet different times throughout the day to fit people in. Um, so that was amazing. You know, you sort of, we've missed being able to do those significant, important things, yeah. people coming together, people bringing friends and family. Um, it, it's, I mean, all the online stuff, there's been so many things that have been brilliant and thank the Lord for technology that's helped us engage yeah. throughout this time, but nothing beats that physical face-to-face masks on and all of that, but interaction. And so I think there's been a real joy in being able to connect a bit more. Yeah. 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 It's so great to have you with us really, because um, we got in touch through uh, lockdown, listening to your sermons from Gas Street. And I, mm. I loved your uh, podcast that you've got out, Rachel, with, is it your sister? Is it your yeah, actual sister? Yeah, the Orchard. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's right. The Orchard. We lead a ministry called The Orchard together, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether she was actually your sister or you were just, you know, church sisters or something. No, proper, <laughs> proper biological blood sisters. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's good. The, the, the funny thing is, um, so... Amy, Rachel's sister, has married my cousin, who's also a Hughes. So, um, that, oh yeah, that's right. So she's Amy Hughes as well. So people get they think maybe she's my sister-in-law. Yes. We've got this. All we tell people is that it's legal. That's all you need to know. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, our cousins are sort of more closely connected. They're cousins and second cousins, I yeah. think, at the same wow. time. Wow. Well, I thought I thought it was brilliant and it and I thought this is very similar to in a way what at the heart of LL and what we're doing at LL. So we got in touch and said, "Would you chat with us on the podcast?" And here we are. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, and we thought the the topic we thought of was about belonging, which we'd heard you guys talk about at Gas Street and um with great passion and equally for us it's a real thing of it's a real central part of what we do at LL2. Because we see a lot of people that are struggling to feel like they do belong. I mean, that's that's the truth. And you feel, you know, you really feel that ache of the Lord's heart for people to come in to be closer and to feel like they really, they really kind of fit. And um, so I wonder, I wonder what you, you know, how, what do you feel about that word belonging or belong, you know, for, uh, for people within your church or just in general, that passion that you've had? 
Well, I think for us, you know, we've been leading Gas Street now for five, six mm. years. And belonging is a word that we come back to time and time mm-hmm. and time again, because church is made up of a whole bunch of different elements. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get belonging right, then everything else, it undermines everything else. Because as you said, it's right at the heart of what it means to be family. I mean, that is the, that is the overarching metaphor, isn't it, for mm. what it means to be Christians in community together with family. Mm. And if you don't experience belonging in a family, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble. But uh, as I'm sure you guys know, and we've discovered, it's not that simple sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, there have been times where we've had to ask hard questions as a church. You know, are we setting up church? Are we setting gastry up well in order that people can experience that sense of belonging? What is it that we need to do? What is it that we need to change or shift or look at or rethink in order to maximize the opportunity for people to belong and of mm. course belonging is again it's it's not always straightforward because it's a two-way thing you know sometimes as a church it can feel like we're doing everything that we can and yet mm. people still feel mm. a sense of separation or disconnection and mm. I mean without jumping too far into the deep end too soon one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently is this word shame and again mm. I'm sure with what you do at LL, it's something that you come across quite a lot with people that you're working with and ministering to. But one of the things I think about shame is that it creates a sense of disconnection, that it's Mm. almost, it's so undermining when Mm. it comes to belonging. And Mm. certainly something that we're aware of is that when people come into church with shame, and many do, Mm. I think that's the first Mm. thing, the fir- the first thing shame does is it creates disconnection because if somebody walks in feeling shame and shame can come from past experiences, painful experiences, trauma, um, sin, I mean, you know, broken relationships, all sorts, all sorts of things can create that sense of shame. And then you step into a church environment and you immediately feel, feel a sense of disconnection because what you're thinking is shame, the shame language is, I'm the only one who feels like this. I'm not good enough to be here. Mm -hmm. That's what Shane would say. I'm not good enough to be here. Everyone Mm -hmm. else has got their lives sorted. It's just me Mm -hmm. that's a mess inside, Mm -hmm. that's battling inside. So I don't belong. And that's one of the worst things about shame Mm -hmm. is that it creates this sense of disconnection. Mm -hmm. And and so so that's the first thing. And so thinking about that, what can we do as a church to sort of... uh, eliminate that set that that disconnection that shame creates and what one of our values is this word real mm. so we really value vulnerability authenticity mm. so that when when people come into a space it's full of people that are being honest about yeah. how they're doing because church could often be an environment where you know the facade is up Absolutely. you know the smile is on and nobody's really honest about what they're actually feeling and so as the leaders and and our leadership team we we really press into vulnerability and honesty in in our messages that we preach so that others when they come in it's like oh i i can connect here i can connect here because i'm not the only one that feels like that so and i think the second thing that shane does is it creates disqualification Mm. and the other thing about belonging is we get a sense of belonging when we're all able to sort of play our part. You know, I, I I can bring this to the table, but of course, shame says, no, you're not good enough to play your part. Mm. 
you, you're disqualified from being at the table because of X, Y, and Z. And so you, you've got nothing to offer. Mm. And so again, what does it look like for us to be a church that, um, that sort of bashes shame over the head and says, no, of course you qualify by the blood of the lamb you qualify Mm -hmm. you know you have a part to play you have something to bring uh and so yeah jumping straight into the deep (laughs) with shame but i think there is such a connection between shame and belonging that it's maybe it's important to mention it right up right right up at the beginning yeah absolutely because it is about being real isn't it it's 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 about being real with Anyone can go to church with your be with your mask on and with your pretense that we've got no struggles or you know that we've got it all together. And all all you do then is have a surface relationships, and and that isn't family, is it? Family is in the mess. It's in the noise. It's in the imperfection. Yeah. It's in it's it's in the reality. And um, yeah, I completely. I think that I think one of the the greatest ways that that brokenness and damage in our lives and like you say shame stops us from really reaching out is it just isolates us it just always says I'm the only person I'm it's I'm the only one I'm the worst you know nobody else is as bad as me it's it's absolutely yeah and that's why I think in terms of church I mean the church should be the, the the almost the best place where people feel acceptance and belonging and sadly it's often really not mm. um but i think the danger sometimes with church is we get focused on the sunday gathering and then it's all about the leaders or the you know the music or the preachers or the um and everything that's wrong with the church is somehow the, the leader's fault now obviously yeah. <laughs> I'm Very convenient, really. no, but of course and leaders can get things horribly wrong and you know responsible for setting a culture but in terms of belonging everyone plays their part if yeah. people walk in and they don't feel welcome that's not just the leader's fault there's 30 50 100 have larger churches people there to welcome to engage in conversation and i think um it's really important that we envision congregations to understand that the church is, is about belonging, it's about relationships. We've been hugely influenced by a man who's passed away now, John Wimber. Mm. And he once said, you know, people come to church for many, many reasons. They stay for one, and that is relationships. Yeah. And, you know, a church leader can't be the sole person responsible for everyone's relationships. So I, I think that's where catching a vision as the church to step up, to all play our part, you know, it's been hard, obviously, over the last 18 months, but in and out of each other's homes. You know, it's not just a sweet little chat on yeah. a Sunday, but it's a... And we're discovering, you know, we, we live in Birmingham, um, probably one of the most diverse cities in the UK. And um, people from different backgrounds, whether that's ethnically or whatever, culturally, have different expectations of what welcome and belonging looks like. So yeah. for some, perhaps, you know, you're middle-class, white, you know, a smile and a handshake and let me get you a cup of tea. Mm. You get that at church. You think, oh my God, that is an unbelievable welcome compared to so many churches. But then others are like, Hannah, unless you've invited me around to your house for dinner, unless mm. we've eaten around a table together, you haven't welcomed me. So I, I think there's mm. understanding what, what it means belonging to different people. I, I think we can assume so much, mm-hmm. but actually there are lots of people who just question, mm. insecure, Am I welcome here? Do I belong here? Yeah. Do you really like me, or are you just 
tolerating me because you have to because you're a Christian. Yeah, I was just thinking about this word um, home. You know, I think when when you think of home, you think it's the place where you go and you can kick your shoes off. You know, yeah. you can just slouch on the on the sofa. There's yeah. there's no real expectation on you to be or do anything. Mm. And what a powerful thing that is. And in a sense, you know, we often would see, you know, our Christian experience at church or wherever as as venue as a venue yes. thing, you know. Yeah. And and it, how can we, you know, it's making it that sense of home. It's like I belong here. I fit. Mm. Yes. Like like you were saying, Rachel, this, all this stuff with shame that keeps us on the outside. That's that voice behind us saying, well, you know, look at everybody else. They've got it together. They look, they look shiny on the outside, at least, you know. I mean, we all know the reality. You don't have to scratch very far, do you, on any, any of yeah. us to find there's struggles that we're working through and all that kind of stuff. But that sense of shame, it push it, it, it create it, it wars against that sense of home, doesn't it? That environment of I can just be me here. You know, I mean, how how attractive that would be if we could really get that part right, you know, wherever we are, whether it's us as a ministry, you guys as a church, or mm. anybody else listening in their home, in their small group, if it could feel that when people walked in the door, they felt like I can kick my shoes off here. Mm, I yeah. can mm-hmm. I can just be me here. I haven't got to be a, a super Christian and be able to recite the Bible and you do all these things, you know, that, that seem acceptable. But don't, but don't you think it comes down to trust, like people to trust, to, to be real? Mm. Because I don't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, often you'll share your heart or you'll share the very real stuff that's going mm. on. And then you just, you just hate it, don't you? I mean, I, you know, mm. I hate making myself vulnerable. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, yeah, it is the only way to really build relationships and I guess it comes down to trust and in in a church or in a ministry it's building that atmosphere of trust yes I I think that's right and I think that's maybe where as leaders we have to take responsibility we have to set that culture and Mm. uh, I think for Tim and I we don't take it lightly if somebody does uh, open up is vulnerable Mm. then we have to take that really seriously and uh, and I guess it you know the way that we respond then hopefully sets a culture for the way that that others respond I think it's interesting this word home because as Tim was saying I think the danger and maybe you know our church is relatively big the danger is that we get fixated on the gathering as Tim Mm -hmm. was saying and it's like everything rides on that experience that moment of church feeling like home but actually if, if the last 18 months has taught us anything the church is so so much broader than Sunday mm. yeah. and I think for us one of the things that we've tried to encourage is is people literally opening up their homes mm. you know because we both grew up in families where there were people coming in and out of our homes all the time whether that was for food or to stay or whatever that was just normal for us we grew up in families like that Whereas we know for a lot of people, it's a really big deal mm. to just invite somebody into your home. And yet that can be the most powerful mm. expression of church that a person ever encounters. Well, as you say, um, I mean, my, my parents led a, in a large church in Birmingham actually years ago. And they've done so many things that, you know, amazing. But I think the thing I'm most proud of them for and the thing I've probably learned most is that opening of a home. And I remember it was their 40th wedding anniversary um there's this guy who basically um, when he was 19 turned up on our doorstep he'd just become a christian in the church 
and he basically his um, dad had died. His his mum was on the streets, um, and he's like, I got nowhere to stay. <clears throat> and they said, Well, look, come, come and stay the night here, and we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, and I mean, they didn't massively know him, and he had a bit of a wilder past, but. And then during the night, they both felt we need to open up our home to him. Mm. And he ended up um, pretty much living with us for three years. He'd go off. And you were like and, a teenager, weren't you, at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah, 13. And um, but and he became like a, a brother, you know, part of our family. But I was so moved at the 40th wedding anniversary. He, he gave this speech and uh, he, he said this, uh, when I arrived at your doorstep, it was like meet. It wasn't like meeting strangers. It was like a, I was a returning son. The problem was I didn't know how to be a son. My dad died when I was very young, and my mum lived on the streets. I didn't know how to live in a family, but you taught me how to be a son, and you taught me how to love and be loved. Wow. And it completely changed his life and wow. changed our lives as well. That being model. But the thing with that, anyone can do it. Yeah. You don't need to be theologically erudite. You don't need to be gifted communicator. You don't need to have tons of money you don't anyone can open up home and mm-hmm. you know jesus modeled hospitality and welcome more than anyone he didn't have a house to live no no bed to lay his head no so i i think that's what i i get excited by there's not one person in our church who can't be a part of belong welcome mm-hmm. and facilitating belonging yeah. and the impact is is colossal because bottom line is we all want to be believed in and loved, someone mm. to champion us. And if we do, if we can do that for one another, people can grow and flourish. Mm. Yeah. One thing that we're passionate about as a church is, is adoption and fostering. Mm. And, um, in terms of sort of home and belonging and inviting people, like radical hospitality, we just feel that as a church community, there's, that's one of the ultimate ways you can do it. Mm. We're, we're in the process of adopting a, a little baby at the moment. And I mean, for us, it's been the most stunning experience. She's, she's, absolute, she's an absolute ray of sunshine. Uh, but it was a big step. You know, it was a big decision. We've got four birth children. But we just felt this deep, deep conviction that if we're going to, yeah, if we're going to really invite people in who uh, who don't know jesus who need some need family then we're better place to start mm. than 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 a little one who who needs love and needs a family i mean we feel like we've won the lottery quite frankly <laughs> yeah. all, like you know we went in all noble but now we're like we we're the ones that have won she's oh. awesome oh, but bless you. i i i know God's heart for welcoming in the stranger. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, one of our one of our team gave a talk in this series that you mentioned about hospitality, and the, you know, the very essence of the word hospitality is to welcome the stranger. And so often we make it about a nice dinner party yeah. with gr- matching napkins and mm-hmm. you know, really yeah. good food. But actually, at its very yeah. essence, hospitality is welcoming in the stranger. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's broader than just the people that we go to church with, isn't it? Belonging. Mm-hmm is about everyone you know it's about Mm. it's about mission it's about bringing people into god's family yeah my um actually my parents when i was um just three moved down to bernardo's down in Mm. um the south i grew up in the northeast and they were house parents foster parents um at bernardo's for a few years so we grew up 
for my older brother and myself around that environment. And yeah. I mean, th- th- this is this this is not everybody has to do that. But we like you're yeah. saying, we can all do something, can't we? We can have that yeah. understanding that there's a broken world out there and we haven't got to fix everybody, but love and welcome and inviting people into our lives is that's powerful. Um, and I guess when I, I think of that, I think of as well, some of it is the boundaries and hearing your story uh, uh, of what you're doing with adopting. That's amazing. And um, the what your parents did, Tim, that's just incredible. It's so inspiring. But I guess part of somebody feeling safe and feeling that they belong is that there's boundaries as well. Yeah. It's not just yeah. the love and the gush, is it? It's the it's the the life lessons and the parenting. I think this world just needs parenting. All of us, at 40 years old, we still need parenting. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, um, you know, they talk about it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. I, 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 I think the same with the church. I can think of a guy in our community, young guy, he came into our building, you know, he just out of prison. He actually ended up going back into prison pretty quick after that. But when, when he eventually came out, um, We'd, we'd meet with them regularly. I mean, really chaotic background, addictions and... Mental health. Mental health. But he, he became a Christian and there was a key moment where he forgave someone who'd done something awful to him. Mm. He really began to change. But that in itself, almost it, it needed people around him. Yeah. And what I loved seeing is that it wasn't dependent on just one family, us as it were, having him over. It, there's like, I'd hear, oh, he's, he's at that household now. He was playing golf with so-and-so. And it, <laughs> it was like all these people engaged... In just friendship with him, mm. you know, because again, I don't recognize some people, you know, having loads of people around their house isn't easy or, but everyone, you know, can do a coffee, do a something, go for mm. a walk. And, mm. and, and it was the fact that he had so many people that if there was a moment when he was really in need, mm. one of them was going to pick up the phone and be able to do something. And, and again, that's for me, the vision of mm. the church being a home of community is, is so important. You've got such diverse people in a church. And I, I think, you know, we've grown up, both of us, in environments where we've been loved, you know, values being placed in us. So our default outlook is that people are going to welcome us. And Yeah. But, but, but I, know, I know that there are so many people, they haven't had that. They've known rejection. Yeah. They've known abuse. They've um, been the most awful things said over them. So their default is quite the opposite. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I'm not going to be loved. You're not going to want me. You're going to let me down. You can't be trusted. And um, philosopher Goethe once said, um, man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. So for these people, there's so many in our world who carry this brokenness, rejection, hurt. Of course, that's going to come out in how they perceive the world. And I think that's where sometimes the church, we need to go over and above. Again, I was talking to someone yesterday whose um, views around, well, processing a whole bunch around same-sex relationships and part of our church and you know he said someone said of course people same-sex attraction are welcomed in our church and of course they are um and he said but i thought gosh actually you can't assume that because there's lots of people who think i'm not going to be welcomed because of perhaps my sexual orientation or whatever so i just don't think we can assume just because we say we're a welcoming church everyone belongs mm. people hear that we need to go over and above just see jesus do he he you know, Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree, uh, feeling shame and wanting to see Jesus, but he didn't want to be seen. 
how many people are in our church, they want to engage with Jesus, but they don't want to be seen or know. And Jesus, in all the crowd, ignores the crowd, points up to Zacchaeus, says, I'm coming to your house. Yeah. You know, such an intimate thing to do. And it ra- radically transforms Zacchaeus' life. So I, I just think we're catching a vision for belonging. We just cannot assume people feel welcome. We've got to get above and beyond to encourage and champion and listen and ask questions and yeah. learn. Uh, I love how, um, I mean, I love how Jesus went after the, the people on the edges. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, like, like that with Zacchaeus. I mean, nobody else was looking for him or cared less about yeah. him, to be honest. And, and Jesus yeah. just pinpoints him and says, you're the one I'm coming yeah. to your place, you know, and probably everybody else was like, well, I thought you were coming to my house. You know, why aren't you coming to my house? Yeah. And Jesus was forever going after the ones on the edges. It's just, it's, it's totally beautiful, you know, and this stuff you're talking about, these, you know, we, we see a lot of people who have, who do have these really deeply held beliefs right in the core of their heart that literally mm-hmm. at some point or other, you're going to turn against me at mm-hmm. some point or other, you're going to realize that I'm not, I'm not lovable or I'm not acceptable. And, and yeah. so I think there's these, there's this like multi-pronged approach thing, you know, there's, yeah. there's a need for them to have healing actually from maybe the trauma that they went yeah. through and the experience had and forgiveness and quite a journey probably with that. But at the same time, they need this other approach, which is we're just going to love you and we're going to love yeah. you. And even if you turn your back on us, we're going to still yeah. love you. Mm, because yeah. the truth is, you know, I, th- I think it, a lot of the time in relationship, as soon as it starts getting messy, there's an easy option, isn't there? Which is, oh, well, I'll just disconnect from you then. I'll, I'll just stay with the yeah. people that aren't messy. Mm. But yeah. we are messy. I mean, we we spill over each other and we say things yeah. we didn't, you know, we don't mean to or whatever, or maybe we did mean it in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And and it's that commitment, isn't it, somewhere to, yes, we want to heal the brokenhearted. That's why Jesus came as well, to yeah. bind up those who are broken. And and praise God, there's an answer for that, you know, that these yeah. devastating backgrounds that people have come from, they yeah. can find freedom yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Lord, give us your heart for these people as well. Yeah that we yeah. would be over and above, like you're talking about, my goodness, what a ministry that is and how contagious that is, how that must almost cause such a, like a conflict almost inside, like I, I don't feel lovable, but these guys are loving me. Like what yeah. is happening, you know? Yeah, and, and the two together, what a powerful mm. thing that is, yeah. I think it, it also, it does take grace, doesn't it? I think that's the other mm. thing is that, we have to be honest here that, that that some people are quite difficult to love. Yeah. yeah, you know, some people have ongoing, you know, challenges that mm. that make them quite difficult. Mm. You know, some people are socially really difficult, mm. and I think the challenge again for us as a church is if we say that we want to be a church where everyone can belong, yeah. we don't just mean the socially yeah. well-adjusted, you right. know those that uh that sort of fit in easily into society because as we know that's not who jesus went after you know it's i don't know whether you've come across the um the tv series the chosen yeah we love it i i what i i mean there's so much i love about Mm. that but i love the dynamics between the disciples because you take that for granted that they're all just best mates right should they wind each other up Mm. a treat yeah and of course we know it's you know they're using poetic license but Matthew in it is really tricky. Yeah. You know, he's, he rubs people up the wrong way. And I just think that I love that they've done that. Yeah. Because that's how it is, isn't it? I don't think 
we have to be best friends with everybody that we go to church with. Yeah. Mm. But how do we ensure that even those that in normal normal social settings would be shunned and again mm. that's probably where a lot of shame comes from school yeah. workplace to the mm. how do we make sure that there's a place for everyone genuinely mm. i i mean i'm asking you the question yeah. you know, i think it's an ongoing challenge yeah. for us yeah, yeah. I think for, for us, what we do at LL, what we provide is a place for people to come and start to look at some of the reasons why, you know, when it's such a such a wall to them that they want, there's this longing inside, I want to belong, I want to trust these people, but it is just so scary because of mm. all that I've been let down, all that I've been yeah. hurt. And yeah. I guess really what LL offers is a place where people can come and they can start to look at, right, let's look through some of these things that have happened yeah. in your life and um, and not just looking at them to kind of co- develop new coping mechanisms, but let's say, let's have this moment with the Lord to really believe that he can bring healing into that. And that as you yeah. forgive the people that are involved and as you do look at, you know, repent and put things right of how we have learned to cope or comfort ourselves um, in in those places that very deep inside that the Lord can come and bring real healing. And so I guess yeah. we're kind of offering like a safe place where people can just take some of the pressure off of, of yeah. always having to to push against this this inner longing. And yet, mm. you know, the the reality inside is is saying pull back pull back <laughs> don't yes, trust exactly. them they're not perfect i think perfection is probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest fears because if, if if we were all perfect then that would be easy to learn to trust yeah. wouldn't it <laughs> and yeah. we're not and we can't offer that and you know no. and, and your church can't offer that and no that's no, the re- hardest thing i remember Early on, uh, a lady, I think she was in her late 30s, and she came up to me at the end of the service, and she was quite abrasive. Again, you know, probably not the easiest. She probably wasn't in her comfort zone in social settings. And she said to me, the first thing out of her mouth was, hello, this is the seventh church I've tried. I'm going to give you three months to decide whether I want to stay. No pressure then. And exactly, I like to win people over something (laughs) Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But then I went back and thought, well, if this is your seventh church, mate, there is also a point, what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is this is a point where with this whole belonging thing, if if we're the ones that aren't feeling a sense of belonging, there is a point at which we have to look at ourselves. Absolutely. Isn't it? it might not actually be the organization or the church or the small exactly. group or whatever that we're there may well be. There may well be yeah. a real yeah. issue. But we also have to do the hard work of saying, well, what, maybe maybe I've got wrong expectations. And I know in this case, she desperately wanted to be married. That was the thing for right. her. She desperately wanted to be married. For her, the church was the place that she was going to meet someone. She hadn't met somebody in the seven churches that she tried. And it was like, if I don't meet someone, then there's something wrong with this church. Actually, that's not fair on us. No. You know, we can't make that happen. But that's where her pain was. Yeah. Mm. Actually, the deep part of it was... I'm in pain here. I'm lonely. And, and what I desperately want isn't happening. And I, I, I have real empathy for that. But it's how we create an environment that gently encourages people. Well, should we just look at ourselves for a minute? Yes. What's, 
going on with me or you know what's at the root of what I'm feeling yeah it's like holding a mirror up isn't it it's helping people see because because we're hurting people and you know we all know this even in our own lives however whatever our lives has been like it's so easy to project it onto everybody else it's everybody else's fault it's and I guess that's just a way of like you right back to the very beginning Rachel what you were saying of shame it's a way of coping with shame isn't it because you know it takes the pressure off um if you project it onto other people Mm. yeah yeah I think as well just courage is necessary isn't it I mean courage probably for for church leaders like yourselves or for everybody to to reach out to those who are maybe on the edges but also for those on the edges who feel like they don't belong it does take courage doesn't it to start to let the wall down I mean we can go into church or into relationships quite prickly can't we (laughs) with a big wall up that says well come this far but no further and I think it does take courage I mean there is a point at which we have to say right I'm going to risk this I'm going to I'm going to take a leap of faith here and trust that these guys aren't going to treat me the way maybe I've always been treated or well I think yeah it's it's absolute courage and then the other thing I'd say is consistency yeah just day in day out week in week out you know just being consistent I mean I I think the boundaries thing you mentioned is is really important and being realistic I'm not going to be able to meet up five hours every week or whatever it is or there are times where Actually, I've I've got this family commitment. I've got so I can't. I think boundaries are really important, but consistency, um, and and that over years is is going to make a difference. And I think the other thing we we've seen in terms of trying to encourage belonging, um, and you know we're far 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 from being experts, but it, it's as leaders expressing your own vulnerabilities. And I think that's where also you need courage. Yeah, you know I think sometimes. It's interesting, you know, you work really hard for, you know, great anecdotes, stories, but, you know, to really try and... <laughs> Bring help, a message yeah, alive, help yeah. you, The things everyone, sort of, you know, goes silent, leans in on, mm. is when you start talking about your own struggles. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I know sometimes when I've talked about sometimes, you know, whether it's uh, had a season of sort of more anxiety, stress, mm. and <clears throat> you sort of, people talk about all the time. Yeah. yeah, and what I think it does is when you say, Do "You know, I've got my hang up, I've got my battles, my struggles," that was a, oh, yeah. and then yeah. it just creates. It gives permission, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It gives permission, and and that's really really um, important. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, thank you guys so much mm-hmm. for being with us. I just oh, wonder, you. would you guys just you can pick. Just one of you, if one of you could just pray, uh, just for these guys listening. <laughs> you got to, yeah, you go for it. Rock, paper, for it. scissors. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Lord, we, we want to pray for everyone listening. Thank you, God, uh, that you welcome us. Just mm. think of that picture of the sort of the prodigal son and mm. the father running out to the son mm. and rags and betrayed and rejected the father, but welcome this prodigal son back into the father's arms, protecting him from the anger of the local villages and just celebrating his return. Lord, I thank you that you love us. You welcome us. We belong to you. We don't have to strive for that. Uh, belonging to you isn't dependent on our behavior or our achievements in life, but it's just uh, your incredible lavish love for us. And Lord, I, I pray for anyone listening who is maybe battling, feeling insecure, uncertain, carrying wounds from the past, which makes them think people aren't going to love me. Lord, I pray that you would 
bring healing mm -hmm. to those deep wounds that you provide people just to love and listen and uh, speak a different story over them. And, and Lord, we pray mm -hmm. for, for churches up and down this country that we would be known, the church would be known as a community of love and belonging where people are changed, where people who uh, battle are suddenly being raised up and released into all the things that they're called to. Um, so, Lord, we just offer all this conversation, ask that you be speaking to us and your spirit be working through it. Amen. 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 Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for asking us. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. Thanks for joining us for Let's Talk with Andy and Kath Taylor, a podcast from LL Ministries. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review or by contacting us at hello at ll.org or through Facebook. You can subscribe and share these episodes through Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we also have other excellent resources online at ll.org, which we hope you will enjoy. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>